Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome in on a Friday morning, a football Friday, and we're going to get you kicked off with some football. For you early risers, one of the biggest college football stars, most talkative guys, we all root for the little guy, the underdog, Britton Covey is too small. He shouldn't be this good a football player at this level. But his touchdown return against Oregon at the end of the half, that will be an iconic play a decade from now. No one's forgetting that. Will he make it in the NFL? Well, PK and I wanted to talk to him about that. So, here's Britton Covey with PK and I. Britton, you didn't waste any time. You decided to announce the Rose Bowl's going to be the last game. That was a nice line, though, as far as, you know, Social Security and your <laughs> senior year. Yeah, well... Some of those are so serious, I decided to, you know, bring a little comic relief into it. But You had said earlier in the season that you thought that this was going to be it. Uh, was there any wavering as the season progressed? Uh, th- I would say the only wavering came in the fact that, you know, name, image, and likeness opportunities, I feel like, opened the door for... Uh, you know, the possibility of maybe staying another year trying to make a little bit of money while you're doing it because the NFL is so unpredictable, right? We've seen that through the years. Some of the best college players you've ever seen and then either they don't pan out or they don't get a shot or they get injured. And so more than anything, I just want to keep playing football. And so uh, I know that, you know, logistically and, and subjectively, the best thing to do would be to leave right now. So, uh, PK knows I like to Google all kinds of random facts. And I did Google, when you made your announcement, I did Google smallest receivers in the NFL. And I got to say, I was surprised how many players there are in yeah. the NFL at skill positions. Some running backs, some receivers, some return guys, between 5'6 and 5'9. Yeah. How much did you dig into all of that making the decision? Uh, I've, dig- I've dug into that for years, I think. Um, I think that the reality of an NFL possibility or career only became real to me, you know, 2018, 2019. I, it was always like a dream, but I'm like, ah, there's no way. But now, it, you know, it's become a reality. And, and I feel like what's cool is you look at someone like Devin Lloyd, right? Every team, all 30-whatever teams would take him if, they're, if he's available in the draft. For someone like me, I'm such a situational player that I only need two or three teams to be interested in me. Um, I don't need all 30 teams because I, I won't get that. So if I can just get a few teams, um, and I've already talked to some scouts, and, and they know what I can do in the return game, and they've also said, you know, we're not dumb. We know that Utah's a tight end heavy system, a running back heavy system. You, you haven't gotten as many opportunities. and So I'm hoping I can go in as both. Sort of remind me a little bit, maybe a slightly smaller Reno Mai. Hey, Reno is my my mentor after, you know, so yeah, I think so. I think uh, he's got a little bit more bulk to him. I've got a little bit more speed, Um, but it's that when you get the ball in your hands, it's kind of this, that natural ability to, you know, get upfield, fall forward, even at your size. So I, you know, I've had lots of comparisons. I I, I watch Colt Beasley religiously. Mm -hmm. I love how he plays his routes. Um, so there are a lot of examples. You know, 15 years ago, I don't know if you'd be able to find as many. But So route running is so important. And I had heard about you in an NFL dream. And, you know, I mean, I thought, wow, he's way small. But I'm watching the Michigan game, and I'm curious if you remember this moment. You're going to the north end zone. You're, I think you're in the red zone. Uh-huh. And you're in the slot. You go inside, you plant the foot, you go back outside, and the linebacker just can't change directions multiple times. And that was the first time I thought, wow, if you can start and stop and change right. direction like that, maybe you are an NFL guy. Is that, is that yeah. one of those moments you have that to was, hold on to? 
Gunright Double Jet 5 Purple. That was the play call. And, uh, yeah, it was a slant return against Jabril Peppers about the 15-yard line. And, honestly, I, if, if they can't touch you, you, you know, you, ha- you keep that. And so that's always been my game, I feel like. Have you gotten more feedback as far as a uh, returner or as a, a uh, receiver or both? Uh, more as a returner, but I've gotten interest in both. And that is why Britton Covey can be a coach if he wants. I mean, that guy remembers one play from six years ago, and he remembers everything about it. I tell him where they are on the field, who they're playing. He remembers the play call. He knows the player he's matched up with. And, man, if you can beat Peppers, then maybe you can play in the NFL. All right, DJ and PK, we're taking a break. When we come back from Utah to BYU, Rondo Felberg, former BYU athletic director, he's got specific stories about Lavelle, money, other offers. If you're a longtime BYU fan, you absolutely want to hear this. Rondo Felberg, next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Rondo Felberg, former BYU Athletic Director. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial properties, water costs, or you can call 877-346-3333. Rondo, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. I'm curious, Rondo, with all the news coming out of BYU and with what they must be paying Kalani and they must be paying all the assistants with the money that they've sunk into facilities and the recruiting budget and analysts and on down the line, if you rolled all those numbers into a ball and then could go into a room and in his old office tell Lavelle Edwards what BYU is spending on football now, what would the reaction be? Oh, they, they wouldn't believe it. I mean, in fact, it would be it would be the kind of thing where they I would lose all my credibility with Lavelle because he just would not believe it. <laughs> um, I mean, when you go back, uh, this is not that long ago for some folks. For the younger folks, yeah, it probably is two generations ago. But um, there used to be a, a rule. I don't know who established the rule that nobody could be paid more than the president of the university. So that first national championship that when Lavelle won it in 1984, Cougar Club got together and gifted him a brand new Cadillac Seville with a big bow on top. (laughs) A week later, poor Lavelle had to give it back because the value of that Seville meant he would be making more than the president of the university and he had to give it back. That's how things have changed here. I remember when Miami, University of Miami came to Lavelle, he gave me a call. I said, yeah, can you come talk for a minute, Rondo? Uh, sure. So I came up and he said, I need you to look at this. And I look at it, and of course, Miami, this is at a time when, I mean, well-paid coaches are making 150, maybe 200 grand um, in the big programs. That's kind of where it was at the time. Miami is offering Lavelle, University of Miami is offering Lavelle a package north of a million dollars. It's unbelievable. And he said, I said, well, Lavelle, if you're asking me, should you take it? Uh, only you can answer that. You break my heart, but quite frankly, you need to think your family. He said, oh, no, Rondo, I'm never going to touch that. I'm just 
want you to know, are they stealing this money? Where's this <laughs> money coming from? How are they doing this? <laughs> yeah, times certainly have changed. We recently had uh, the passing of one of the great BYU boosters of all time, beloved Cy Kimball. Cy came to me, and he wasn't the only one, but Cy was one of the more consistent ones and said, Rondo, you do what you have to do, and I just want you to know we'll take care of it. There's not a number that will scare us. You take care of it. And, and he was very consistent over the years. BYU has had wonderful, wonderful friends and donors who would be much more generous than they've been allowed to be. Yeah, that's for sure. That's the fact right there, yeah, Then they're allowed to be. I get that all the time, Rondo. Can't this guy, that guy, and we know some of the names, particularly here, what's happened in the last year plus. Oh, yeah. Saying, I mean, it's not them. It's people above them. And there's, there's, there's just no question. Uh, uh, this Big 12 thing is, is going to be a game changer for us because it will change the entire landscape of our giving and of Cougar Club. But I'm, I have no concerns for us at all. What my concerns are is how we'll manage it within the context of the culture that we have around us. Go into a little more depth on that. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I probably would have to have a couple of interviews before I went into too much depth. <laughs> <with> that. <laughs> okay, that's but providing some depth right there. Let me, let me just say that we've, we've got lots of young guns on silicone slopes who just can't wait <laughs> to show off their moxie. And they would be... Um, the, the competition of it would be something they would relish. Mm. Um, that That is not going to be a problem. And then you've got a number of the, uh, should we say, more seasoned, even gray-haired guns who've been frustrated over the years uh, that they weren't able to do more. Um, and, and, and that they felt that there were some limitations. Now, let me just say, BYU and the church will always take their money. That's not a problem. It's just that they want to be able to have some voice in directing where that money goes. And that's where we're very different than most of the other uh, folks around, because we have um, uh, we have very clear guidelines. Some might call them rules, uh, but I'd, I'd prefer to call them guidelines with respect uh, to giving. And your job is to talk it over with your wife, your family, the the people who matter to you, and then decide what the proper gift is. Make the gift, and that's the last say or influence you have on that money. Um, That's the way it happens here. That's not the way it happens in a lot of places. So what you're saying is you can't designate where the money's going. No. Now there's there there are some notable exceptions. Um, uh, we have um, uh, the Miller family built the ballparks. Uh, yeah, and and that was actually um, Cy Kimball and Larry Miller, 
and and sigh. This is this is a tribute to to the Kimball family because Cy said that he was more than happy to have the Miller name go on that ballpark uh, rather than his name. But he had already uh, he he'd put seven figures there and just left it. Um, so that uh, whenever the time came, yeah. um, it would be uh, a done deal. And Larry just said, finish it off and just tell me what the number is. Yeah, Larry and Gail were wonderful with that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about the influence of Tom Homo and how much credit or recognition or whatever you want to say he deserves in getting all this stuff done, all the stuff that he's been able to do over the last decade and a half. Oh, it is not possible to overstate what he has done. Um, what you need at BYU and what is unique about Tom is you need somebody who doesn't need the spotlight and quite happy not to have the spotlight. That's the perfect personality. That's Tom. But is the sort of the steady hand, the, 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 the sort of guy who's willing to stay in the background and yet has extraordinary relationships connections everywhere both laterally and vertically he has the connections he's so respected by his peers across the nation um everybody likes tom homo it's very very hard to find anybody in sport that you cannot find somebody very quickly who's willing to criticize them or trash them. And Tom is one of the very few exceptions. You can't find anybody critical of Tom Homo. In fact, the criticism that gets leveled at Tom is that nobody's that nice. Nobody's that calm. Nobody's that stable. Uh, it's it's got to be a game. It can't be real. That's the criticism. Uh, Tom has been marvelous. You know the, the 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 story of Tom, don't you? Of how he got here? Yeah, because I was going to ask you about that. That you know, a lot of times ads are just old football coaches, the good old boy network. But I believe you had told me years ago that Tom had targeted uh, way back when the desire to oh, be yeah. in an athletic administration. Well, not just athletic administration. Um, I thought I was going to be the AD who was going to ultimately replace Lavelle. And so in usual Rondo fashion, I prepared a, a, a short list. And then I quietly went and visited every single one of those coaches that were on. I whittled it down uh, to about a dozen, and then I narrowed that down to four or five um, and I went and visited every one of them, watched them coaching practices, watched them in games, stayed in their homes, literally stayed in their homes uh, so that I knew what we were going to have or potentially have. And I stayed in Tom and Laurie's home. Well, he was at that time the defensive backs coach for the 49ers. And uh, I stayed a weekend with him, uh, watched him in Saturday practice, went to church with him, did the whole deal, and then was on the sidelines with him for their Monday night game. 
And uh, I was so impressed with with um, both his de- demeanor and his. I mean, he the guy. The guy looks like he's very calm and like he's almost passive. But oh my goodness, when it comes to football and when it comes to coaching, I mean, he was intense and focused. I was I was so surprised and so impressed. So anyway, uh, I I tell him, okay, Tom, you know. Uh, you know, is this something that you're interested in, something you want? And he goes, oh, Rondo. He said, I don't want Lavelle's job. You don't? He said, no. I mean, he was just as deadpan and sober as he, no, I don't want Lavelle's job. Really? No, I want your job. <laughs> what? He says, yeah. He says, that's what I want. I want your job. And so he and I agreed right there that if we hired him to replace Lavelle, I would give him a five-year deal. And at the end of that five years, he had the absolute right at his choice. If he was, if he was our coach for five years, he had the absolute right to come onto my staff as senior associate athletic director, the number two guy. Now that meant I had to have Pete Whitback and Val Hale both agree to that, which they did um, in order to get Tom. And so that was a done deal. So Tom had already planned if if we hired him to replace Lavelle um, uh, to come into administration. So, yeah, he he's right where he wanted to be. Right. And that's another reason, I think, for his longevity. I mean, he, he's in the job he wanted. He's in this. This was his ultimate destination. Former BYU Athletic Director Rondo Felberg joined us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. You famously lived in Houston and uh, parked on a bridge somewhere to uh, pick up games on the radio (laughs) pre-internet. And so I want to draw on that Texas experience because Oklahoma and Texas have been the big dogs and driven the league. You know, lately everybody's been trying to keep up with Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma's going to the SEC and Lincoln Riley's gone to USC. And Oklahoma and Texas are going to be out. Oklahoma State uh, had a booster, T. Boone Pickens, who underwrote uh, just a trem- I mean, they made tremendous advances on his checkbook at Oklahoma State. The, the stadium is oh, yeah. probably the biggest thing, but it's not the only thing. But he passed away a couple of years ago. I expect this league is going to be competitive and driven, but who do you think drives the league? As much as everything's exploded in the last five or ten years, how much does it explode in another five or ten? Because BYU's made big strides here. They had a big press conference to say, hey, we're going to keep up. We're going to be competitive. We're investing across the board. we got our eyes on the prize. And Tom said, if we need to adapt, we'll adapt. Who drives it? How much does this change and accelerate in the five or ten years going forward? Oh, I think the influence of that... um Southwest, that old Southwest Coast Triangle or Southwest Conference Triangle will continue. That's really where it is. So we're talking Texas Tech, and um, uh, I, I think the University of Houston will now Baylor. have a chance for their own renaissance. Baylor, uh, all, all of those schools who have chafed mightily. Uh, under the huge shadow cast by OU and and, and Texas, in, in Texas that's a really big deal, and and it's not a bad thing 
to have them be in different conferences. Uh, I, you know, I think I think people kind of know what the SEC has become. It's sort of morphed into its own pro league, and and I think people there are some people for whom that is just exactly what they wanted. There are others for whom that's just a little bit offensive, and and I think that if Houston and Tech and Baylor and Oklahoma State play it right uh, down there, they will earn back some of the fans and some of the loyalty that traditionally had gone to Texas and OU. Um, That's what I'm watching for. Would you say, Rondo, that BYU, not, not the athletic department, and maybe not even the administration currently on campus, but those above them, had to look at things a little differently to get to this point where BYU can make that unprecedented contract announcement and commitment to the athletic program and the football program in particular? Um, uh, Well, we're talking about different measures. Um, BYU had an extraordinary year in 1984 Um, All of your fans and listeners can go take a look at uh, convert baptism statistics in North America in 1985. Uh, We had an extraordinary year in 1996. Um, Go check the convert baptism statistics in 1997. The brethren get it. They understand <laughs> the the more positive visibility that BYU has, the easier it is when missionaries knock on doors for them to be able to go in and be invited in, and then they do their thing. After that, it doesn't matter once they're through the door because they are such extraordinary ambassadors for goodness and for the church but we have to get through the doors and the brethren have seen the the numbers uh, and they know what it takes how long do you think it'll take to win a uh, big 12 conference title because you have done it in 11 years and you know the rivalry and four all months <laughs> see that would be great make Way a big splash <laughs> cannonball no, into think... the deep end of the big 12 pool <laughs> I don't think there's any question that we are probably more ready competitively than Utah was when they came into the Pac-12. I mean, I, I was visiting with Kyle the other night and 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 t- talking about those kinds of things. Uh, the, the fact is that that it does take time to upgrade your your talent pool, your facilities. Your, you know, your just the way you think about yourselves and the way you carry yourself, and therefore able to compete. It does take time, but BYU has managed to go quite a distance in that direction all by itself. So I don't expect it to take as long. How long do is it going to take? Um, if Jacob Conover morphs into <laughs> Zach Wilson like everybody thinks he might. And if the other two guys push him as as 
as, as good as Romney pushed Zach and on and on, and Jaron Hall pushed Zach. If, if, if we have that kind of dynamic, um, it'll happen pretty soon. We'll leave it right there, Rondo. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll all watch this transition. We're looking forward to it. All right, gentlemen. Have a Merry Christmas. There's Rondo Felberg. We've heard from the Utes and the Cougars. How about the Jazz next? Joe Ingles, his weekly visit next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time now to hear from Joe Ingles. Joe joined us uh, late in yesterday's show, second half of the show, so we'll replay a few early rises. He'll drop a few last nights. He's talking about the win over the Clippers. Here's Joe Ingles with PK and I. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe, and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show (laughs) with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles joins us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Joe, good morning. Good morning. You know, Joe, there were a lot of things going on that I thought Joe's going to be in a great mood. And I got that road trip over. He had to, you were hilarious when you were talking about killing time and how much you were hating it on the road with a couple days off in a couple towns. But now you got three days at home with no games and you got to win. And I thought you were going to be a good mood, but you went out and you got a technical foul. Joe. I, was, I mean, it, it, it might be the like the, not that I've ever tried to like get one back because I've, very well aware that I've made the most of a lot of them. Um, but I was, like, actually, uh, obviously I said what I said, which didn't make the referee too happy, but I was actually just, I was just saying it. Like, it wasn't directed at anyone or anyone in particular or the referee or anything like that. I was just, like, saying it because it was like, I didn't think it was a foul. But yeah, the referee thought I was talking to him and... It real like at the point of the like at the time of, I'm not going to even bother arguing it because it was like what's the point because they don't rescind like he doesn't he doesn't give me a technical and then take it away if I if I go and plead my case to him so I was like screw it I'll just, <laughs> just uh, but it. I was actually just like emotionally talking to myself like it wasn't directed at anyone but it is what it is. Yeah, when I used to work for the Salt Lake Tribune way back when, they had a coach at the University of Utah, Rick Majerus. He took him to the Final Four, and one time he was and he was profane as can be, and he was screaming at one of his players during a game, and the referee walked between him and his player, and he hears all yeah. these profanities coming out of the coach's mouth, but they're not directed at the ref at all. Yeah. They're directed at his player, but the referee tees him up because <laughs> he hears these words that weren't directed like- at him at all. It's an emotional game, and you get into it, and obviously we all, we're all trying to win. And so I was like, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna bother with this one. So 
Yeah, you might as well. As I'm watching I'm you, in, I'm still in a good mood. Don't oh yeah, I? you're All fine. Right. You're fine. You're, you're usually in a good mood. It's rare that I you're Renee, not. Renee might have been in the bathroom or something at the time, so she didn't actually see it. Oh, even better. So she doesn't know. Let's keep it a secret. <laughs> we'll not tell her that you got some money deducted again. <laughs> Until there's a big minus in my face. <laughs> well, well, let that slide, man. So you can. Well, I mean, the we truth is, you still got enough for Christmas. Radio, so. Yeah, yeah, he's still got the radio money. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 that'll make up for it. That's right. Yeah, man, you, more uh, more property in Park City you can buy. Ooh, uh, <laughs> let me know if we got something on the market. I'll take it. <laughs> and buy Locke's place, and then you can be his landlord. <laughs> no. Oh, I'll be his landlord. I want to live here. <laughs> Lock him out. <laughs> so I'm watching you play with Whiteside out there, and I'm wondering, compared to Gobert, when you've got the ball, what's your level of comfortability and familiarity with Whiteside as it is compared to what you know what you need to do with Gobert? Um, obviously not to the same level. Um, I mean, eight years is eight years. You can't, uh, <laughs> you can't kind of put a price or time on that because we've, we've obviously not just the, the, I guess the time that we've played together, Rudy and I, but also the amount of actions we've, we've been in together. And obviously those three or three or four years, whatever it was starting, um, it's a, a lot of time to be playing pick and roll and handoffs and, and doing all that. So um, obviously it's not not to that level, but I, I think I think it's been good. I think I think he's getting more comfortable in the system and um, how we play and what we want to do. And um, I mean, Coach said it the other day, oh, maybe a couple of weeks ago now, but um, just about the, the even our um, like our sub subbing patterns like Hassan and myself come in at the seven or seven and a half or whatever it is and Hassan comes back out at the <laughs> at the three or two or whatever it is um, he I remember like the first time that ever happened he was looking at coach like what what did I do kind of thing is did I do something wrong or and so uh, like those things are just things that everybody has to get used to the, the rotations and the system and what coach and same for Hassan for me, like him getting used to the way I play and how I'm going to pass him the ball and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it'll keep it'll keep getting better and better. Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna play a fair bit of minutes kind of over this next however however long however many games we've got left. So we'll, we'll just keep keep figuring it out and, and keep getting better. It's uh, it's weird that Rudy Gobert is averaging so many rebounds in, relatively speaking, so few minutes. I mean, he's playing 31 minutes a night, but I think of him as a guy who can play 36 night after night. But you've had so many blowouts, I think his, his minutes have gone down. And he's averaging almost a rebound every two minutes, which I think is a really high number. And then I looked at Hassan Whiteside. He's doing almost the same thing as a backup. When you're playing with those guys... Do you sometimes just assume they're going to gobble up every rebound? Does it kind of lower the urgency for you or your your teammates? Because these guys are grabbing so many. Is it easy just to assume they're going to get the next one? Well, I don't assume. I kind of know. Um, obviously, they're, they've both been, and even if you you look at Hassan's career, career prior to here, when he was playing those minutes and stuff in Miami as a starter and as that kind of main guy, um, they've both been unbelievable rebounders in their careers so um, it's not it's not surprising um, obviously the last few years for Hassan obviously not being a starter and 
coming off the bench with different teams or whatever. Um, for him, it's like, well, now he's playing against a backup center. He's not playing against yeah. a, a Rudy Gobert or a Miles Turner or the, the list goes on, obviously. Um, so I think for for him and for our team, it's obviously a, a huge advantage to have him um, playing against those guys and being able to do what he does and what he's done in his, his career, but against, obviously, now backup guys. So... Obviously, there's times that, I mean, even like last night, they had a, a clear emphasis on sending two or three guys to, to every rebound um, situation, especially defensively, um, to, to stop Rudy and Hassan getting those offensive rebounds. They had two or three guys there, which obviously um, opened it up for, for the guards to be able to kind of crash and get, get some kind of cheap, easy rebounds. So, um yeah, we we kind of expect and know what they're going to do on the the defensive boards and then offenses as well. So it, it definitely helps having you, you sub one out, and <laughs> it's almost like a clone of the other one coming in and, and almost doing kind of the same thing. So um, yeah, definitely a, a positive for our team. You guys were the second game on ESPN. The first game was Dallas and the Lakers. So I'm watching the pregame, and they've got on there some media guys, a guy named Stephen A. Smith, I assume you know him, and a couple other guys, and they're talking about how uh, they don't talk about the Jazz. And then Smith says, well, you know, I, I picked them to win. They let me down, so I'm not sure I believe in them. And then Marcus Morris last night says, yeah, they're still the same team. Ain't nothing changed. Gobert protects all of them. None of them can defend. Just funnel it to him, and it's tough. He's a great player, and he does a great job of anticipation, staying down, being solid, so you know who they are. And then we had Minnesota last week crack on you. Do you think that is that just sort of standard for a team that's been really good in the regular season but has not gotten to the conference finals yet until and Donovan said this in his post game basically he said until we get there these people are going to keep running their mouths on it is that something that's a fair assessment yeah I mean obviously I've said it before I literally could not care less what anyone thinks about our team or how we play or what like Marcus Morris can say that but it's like why wouldn't we funnel everybody to Rudy (laughs) isn't that a smart game plan when you've got the three time defensive player of the year like yes why would we try and ISO and play one on one purely one on one and just obviously we've got to stay in front of our guys and, and, and do different pieces but like you funnel the players to the best best defender in the world like that's what <laughs> that's if you've got a guy that loves going left me for example why would you run plays going like it's just common sense like we're going to clearly funnel everybody to Rudy that's a a smart game plan obviously in in the playoffs is where the, the manipulation of like where where who Rudy guards and where they put him. That's what they, the, the club is obviously getting the suit, trying to move him all over the place, get him away from um, being able to protect the rim. Um, but, but yeah, like, like Donovan said, until we, obviously it doesn't bother me or, or our team, what people say, we, we know we're building towards something. Um, we've been trying to build towards that. We have had setbacks along the way. I think that's normal in life. Uh, I think it was like there's probably been one, maybe that Golden State team that I think they lost in maybe the second or third round and then they won it the next year. Yeah. Apart from that, it, it takes time for, for teams to get to the to the level. Um, 
so yeah, we, obviously it doesn't bother us. We, we're going to keep doing what we do, keep playing the way we play. And um, again, obviously for, for us, it's about us um, putting the the finishing touches on it in the playoffs and doing it in the playoffs and, and playing at a high level and that to, to be able to push it further. There's something I've been wondering for a while, and Quinn started to address it in those in-game interviews, which I usually find useless, but I thought he hit on an important point. He was talking in the Clipper game. He said, and there was something about how to close this game out, because I think you're up by double figures at the time. He said, well, you know, we got to rebound, and we got to run the court and keep them out. We, well, we, not, not turn, we can't we gotta stop the turnovers, which I took as an implication. We can't let them score in transition. Have you guys been doing this long enough, and you play at a high enough level, you shoot the ball so well, and your set court offense, you defend so well with Rudy. Do teams pretty much have to score on second chance points and in transition if most of these teams are going to beat you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a. I mean, you go into every game with a, a game plan and emphasis and and things like that. Um, obviously, past years is, is kind of whatever, but but this year we were horrible in transition defense for the start of the year or to, to this point so far. I think the road trip we just went on was the first time, um, even numbers-wise, from kind of what we, we get back in in film and meetings, um, was the first time we'd really kind of ran back and set a wall and 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 been able to defend in the half court. Like you said, obviously for us, we we know how good we are in the half court, and that's why you can manipulate the game with, with Euro fouls and, and for us obviously offensive rebounding as well because it's a, a, a form of transition defense if we go and get it it's almost like getting a stop because we've just got the ball again and, and obviously get to have another possession offensively but uh, I think prior to the, the road trip we went on we were like 28th in tra- transition defense or something like that so obviously like us, other teams look at those numbers and they they say that, and it's like, all right, well, we don't want to play Rudy and Hassan in the back court, in the half court. So um, every opportunity we get, make or miss, um, and some teams do it organically. It's kind of the way some teams play, um, how, how fast they get it in. And New Orleans has always been one of those teams to, that comes to mind. But um, yeah, it's it's obviously it's been a focus of ours to. to to get back and set, set it and kind of pack the pain and, and fan out from there. And, and obviously, we just we just have to keep doing it, um, keep focused, keep keep watching it to see where we are making those mistakes. Um, but, but like I said, prior to the road trip, we were horrible. Um, and we did get better over that road trip, but obviously that's just three or four games, so we've just got to just got to keep building on it and keep keep working on it. Yeah, and you talk about that, and it's clearly it's been a difference, and you you guys are on a nice streak uh, as far as that goes, and you I, I can't say you turned it around because it's not like you were in, in the bottom by any stretch, but you're 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 playing much better this time well, we around. Were at the bottom, we're okay. just not that much higher. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys talk about that amongst yourselves? Well, obviously, we watch film and we get um, we get told it by right. I know, but I mean, do the guys Um, talk about it with each other? Not the coaches telling you. Yeah, I mean, we have there's there's times in the game and and you might get subbed out and you're like, holy shit, I just missed (laughs) that one, or I should have ran back, or um, we obviously for people that don't know, we we obviously we watch film at halftime as well. They coach will show us five or six clips and. Um, like there'll be one of someone not running back and say, like, all right, like whoever, Joe, Joe, you've got to like sprint back here and, and obviously help form the wall and, and get back. So 
we we talk about it. There's there's plays. I mean, everyone has them. Like you have a possession, and you know you're going to be on the film the next day. And it's like the mindset of not trying to be on the film the next day, so you do whatever you've got to do to, to not be on the film. But, um, yeah, no, we, we obviously talk about it. It's more in the, not in a funny sense, but, but obviously kind of keeping a light and like, hey, Rudy, you got to you got to get back there or Donovan, you've got to get back there. And, um, yeah, just keeping, keeping the focus on it because we obviously, again, we know how high level it is for, uh, for, us, for us to do that. I was just explaining to my wife the concept of not being on the film the next day. You've had former teammates who've talked about it, and she asked something about Quinn during a game, and I told her that, and she was laughing. It's funny you bring that up right now. Don't be on the film the next day. You don't want to be on the film the next day. (laughs) Jacob, Jacob, can I have a kiss? Jacob's gone to school. Sorry. There you go. No worries. Um, Yeah, no, you don't want to be on the film the next day. That's like the... Like I said, but there's like legitimately times and possessions that you're like running down the court. And you're like, damn it, that's definitely going to be on the clips. <laughs> Have <laughs> or, you? We, I mean, we watch team film, but then we also watch individual. So, right. If you're lucky enough for it to not be on the team one, if it's not too bad, or if someone messed up even worse than you, then it's definitely on your individual one. So either way, you're seeing it. Mm-hmm. Christmas is right around the corner. You got your shopping done, Joe? Well, I'm very lucky that. Santa Claus slash Renee um, <laughs> organizes all the kids stuff. Okay, but what um, are you getting for the little lady? Well, we had this agreement. Um, we purchased a house for ourselves as a bit of a holiday getaway. And um, so that was kind of our Christmas present to each other. But um, everyone knows that everyone likes actually opening something on Christmas Day. Right. <laughs> Um, so I'll, yeah, I've got a, a few little things for her, but it's going to be a, a very obviously for us. It's it's about the kids and and seeing their especially five year olds, <laughs> five year olds uh, obsessed with uh, with Christmas and Santa and and all those the elf on the shelf thing that's the most annoying thing in the world. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, we'll we'll have a good time. The, the, obviously, we we play as well, so. You we'll do. figure out what the, the schedule looks like, but be obviously be able to spend the morning with them and, and do all that, and then, then obviously have to, to head off at some point for, for the game. So in the next few days, am I going to see Joe Ingles walking through City Creek Mall? <laughs> oh, no. I actually thought about that the other day. I was like, obviously online shopping in the world is a, a beautiful thing, but I was like, I, I really should just go and, and get something, and I was like, there's actually no chance in hell I'm going to. <laughs> I literally couldn't think of anything worse than walking through the not because it's Utah or like just any mall in the world. <laughs> not your thing. Well, I don't want to end on some happy Christmas thing, Joe, because PK handles the happiness, and I do all the dirty stuff on this show. Matthew Delavadova, you're fo- you're a fellow Australian. He went to St. Mary's. Once upon a time, he beat BYU. So there's plenty of people who still around here carry a grudge. And there's video because after his NBA, he goes back to Australia. He gets dunked on, um, and. To his credit, after I guess the turnover, he wanted to you know he wanted to defend, and and a guy I don't know maybe you do Mitch Creek dunks on him. It is a spectacular posterization, and it leads to a fight. And I'm just curious: is Delhi one of those scrappy guys who can annoy other basketball players on any continent at any level? Yeah, I mean he annoys he annoys us when he's <laughs> with the national team. Like he's just a he's like a little pest, even. Like I said, like five and five with the national team before Olympics, you're practicing. It's like that's just the way 
he plays and I think in his career there's I think it was I think it was Kyle Corver in the playoffs or someone in the playoffs who dove on a loose ball and took his legs out a little bit and Kyle hurt his knee um, but it's like and obviously everyone goes automatically to the that he's dirty and he all those type of things but it's like it's legitimately just the way like he plays and if you I mean if you've known Delhi growing up like he's from the country country in Melbourne like hours hours out of the city and um, not that I would never like to say that he's he's not as skilled like he's unbelievably skilled obviously but but he's always had like he went to St. Mary's he wasn't drafted he went to Cleveland undrafted and had to make the team and I mean, the stories in Cleveland is like he was picking up Kyrie full court every day at training camp because that's what he had to do to to make the team, and obviously end up making the team. And then they got LeBron back, and all that happened. He won a championship, but that's just that's just how he's been his whole career. He he plays the same way wherever he is, whether it be five and five with the Boomers or or obviously now in Australia. Um, but he's he's one of those guys that's maximized every every opportunity and, and every ounce out of his his body and time to to get to the highest level and, and obviously stick for i think he played about seven eight years like i said won a championship um he's a bronze medalist he, he's he's done a lot in his his career from like i said coming coming to obviously a smaller college and, and being undrafted and, and doing all those things so he's yeah he's a he's a hell of a teammate obviously he's, he's a friend um but happy for him to to be playing in Melbourne, he's in his hometown now, and family and friends, and gets to to see see all of them on on the, the daily basis. Do you know Ainge at all? Uh, no, I. I mean, I know him. <laughs> I've heard his name, obviously. Um, never spoken to him until yesterday when he when he was here yesterday. Um, but obviously, I'll get to know him. Well. I'll get to know him this year. We'll figure out what happens after that if he likes me or not. But uh, <laughs> he better. <laughs> maybe, I got a radio show to do, Joe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe if he doesn't like me, I'll do one more episode just to riff on him for a couple, <laughs> a couple minutes. But Way to go. Um, no, I don't. I don't know him. Obviously, I've. I know he's kind of what he's done and where he's been, and obviously even where like the BYU connection and and all that. But. Um, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll get to know him over this next few months, and hopefully, he likes me enough to bring me back. If not, we'll uh, we'll have a special episode, and I'll rip apart everyone that didn't want me. Well, <laughs> 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 that would be a fun episode. Well, yeah. it doesn't come to yeah, that. Uh, so good. <laughs> Vindictive Joe Ingles is the best Joe Ingles. <laughs> I'm right. I'm right. I'm gonna start writing notes now. <laughs> All right. All right, Joe. We appreciate it. Merry Christmas. Enjoy the holidays. Enjoy a string of six straight home games. You get a lot of time. Very nice. No boring road days. Right, exactly. Thanks, Joe. (laughs) Thanks, guys. There's Joe Ingles. When we come back, what is trending? Stay with us.